Thank you so much. And it's great to be uh, looking at this final passage in James's letter, Jesus's little brother. And we're going to read this together. So James 5, starting at verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. I want to speak today about the power of prayer, the power of prayer. And as I'm speaking about prayer, I feel like I have to start with a bit of a confession. and Lean in, that's it, yeah. And, um, and the, my confession is that I haven't always found prayer that easy, that straightforward, actually. Um, there's been times I've actually found it quite difficult. I, know, I, I knew it was something I was supposed to do. I knew it helped your relationship with God in some way. And, and even that it could have an impact on your life. And I would try and try again. But the thing was, I also loved getting things done, making things happen. I'm wired in such a way that I want to fix things. I want to bring solutions. And I find it really hard just to kind of sit still and wait and listen and read and think and speak and listen some more. That doesn't come naturally to me. And sometimes it can feel a bit counterintuitive to kind of take a step back from all the noise and the demands of the moment and say, no, 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 first I'm going to pray. And if you feel that way today, I get that. I know where you're coming from. In a busy, hurried city where there's so many demands on our time and on our energy, it can feel, you know, to say you're going to take some time to pray can feel a little bit like a revolutionary act. And it is, actually. But what I realized as I started to do it was that God could have used any means of getting my attention and communicating with me. And yet he waited for me to turn my thoughts into prayers. And that meant that God was interested in spending time with me. God could have used any means of accomplishing his purposes on earth. And yet he wanted my rambling, not very good prayers to play a part. And that he would choose to wait for, listen to, and respond to my prayers. And that meant that God cared even more about knowing me than he did about just getting things done. And I realized prayer wasn't just an add-on, a nice to have, but it was essential for me. That I had no hope of becoming the person God wanted me to be without prayer. That it wasn't just kind of something, an optional extra for those really hope holy people, but it was absolutely indispensable and vital for every single one of us. What if the most significant thing you did with your entire life wasn't a task you completed, but a prayer you whispered? 
That's what we're going to look at today. And the first thing we see in this passage is that whatever you face today, prayer is your greatest need. And I don't know how you're feeling today. I don't know if you're worried or anxious about uh, coronavirus. Maybe you're feeling a bit nervous about that. Um, Maybe you're anxious about the economy or maybe you're very excited about the economy. I don't know. Um, I don't know how you're feeling today, whether you're feeling hopeful or, or a bit nervous whether there's stuff going on in other areas of your life. But whatever you're feeling, whatever you're facing, James says the key response to your current circumstances is to pray. Every verse in this passage, pray, 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 pray. In six verses, pray, 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 prayed, prayed, prayer, prayer, pray, pray. Whatever you're facing, whatever else you do, you need to pray. I mean, take the coronavirus as an example. Now, it's not a sufficient response just to pray. Like, there are other things we need to do. We need to follow advice. We need to listen to what the virologists and the government and other people tell us to do. But it's a bit, it's a bit strange if we don't at least pray. I mean, we're spending enough time worrying about it, so many of us. You know, refresh, 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 refresh on the news. Refresh, refresh. You know, what's happening? I know more about some countries in the world than I have ever known. You know, I... But we can turn our worries into prayers. You know, if we're worrying about it, then we can at least pray about it. Now, we want to follow the advice. You know, we want to uh, wash our hands for 20 seconds. Now, you can wash your hands for 20 seconds. You can sing happy birthday twice. That's one way of doing it. Or you can say, no, I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to follow the advice, but I'm going to use it to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, thank you, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours. 20 seconds. So every time you wash your hands, you can say the Lord's Prayer. You know, it's not a sufficient response, but any response that doesn't have prayer a part of it will be a deficient response. And I don't know what you're facing today. But James says, anyone facing trouble, let them pray. Facing trouble. I don't know what it is. Maybe it is worrying about the future or what's happening right now. Maybe it's a relationship thing. You've fallen out with a colleague. You've got a difficult colleague or a difficult boss. Maybe you are a difficult boss. (laughs) I don't know what you're facing today, but one of the responses is prayer. And sometimes when we're facing trouble, prayer becomes our last resort. When I started going out with Beth, I was invited to the family holiday in Tembe, which is kind of on the western tip of Wales, which is on the western tip of the United Kingdom. And I'd been due to go up on a particular day. I was at a party the day before and early evening the night before. And I suddenly thought, wait a minute, I could just go now. Wouldn't that be amazing? It'd be really romantic. I could surprise her and go, I'm here a night early, came to see you. So I just jumped on a train, didn't think about it, certainly didn't pray about it, jumped on a train, you know, bombed off up the country, and I thought, I wouldn't phone her because, you know, that will spoil the surprise. And then I realized quite how far away Wales is and quite how far away the west of Wales is. And I suddenly thought, I'm not going to get there at 9 o'clock, I'm not going to get there at like 11 or 11 p.m. And you can't really go to your new girlfriend's family at 11 p.m., knock on the door and say, surprise, I'm here. And it's not a great way to meet them. So I thought, I better phone. So I, um, I, I tried to phone Beth. And I don't know if you're in a relationship right now. In my experience, there are two kinds of people in relationships. It, when it comes to everything, but particularly when it comes to phones. One, one kind of person is like... Um, 
you're maybe at this end of the spectrum, you're, you're slightly addicted to your phone. Like you use your phone a lot, you get nervous if it's not on your, on your person. Um, you imagine you've got a text message even when you haven't. That's how, how t- tied into it. Oh, there are a few of you. And um, that's one, one end of the spectrum. There's another end of the spectrum which is like, you know, you can take or leave your phone uh, and it's okay, but it doesn't run your life. So one, I was over here. There's another end of the spectrum. Beth was kind of over here somewhere. So I think Beth sometimes forgets she has a phone. Um, she doesn't need it at all you know I'd phone her and urgently and about a week later she'd say did you try and get in touch with me I was like yes I did last Tuesday I did phone you in a crisis but don't worry don't let it bother you I mean don't worry and um, so I tried to phone her and I was phoning urgently no response no response missed call text nothing voicemail nothing was getting through so I thought this is going really badly wrong like I can't just walk around the streets of Tempe at midnight saying Beth Beth where are you are you here and so I was going through Bristol I thought I've got a mate who lives in Bristol. I hadn't seen him for about five years, but I thought, so what? So I was like, I was like um, hi, Paul, um, long time no see. Uh, uh, I, just wondering if you're still living in Bristol. Can I stay the night? You know, the, and um, that didn't work. He didn't text back. They went through Cardiff. I was trying to remember if I had a friend in Cardiff. I didn't think so. And then at that moment, just as we were going through Swansea, the train guard was walking past, and he said, uh, where, are you, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going to Tenvin. He said, not on this train, you're not. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, oh, this train stops at Carmarthen. I was like, no, it doesn't. He said, yes, it does. And I said, but it says it's going to Tempe. He said, yeah, but not the late train. The late train stops at Carmarthen. Everyone knows that. I said, I don't know that. I don't know that. He said, okay, well, you'll have to get out of Carmarthen. We get to Carmarthen. Everyone gets out of the train. I'm there. This is a nightmare. Like, Carmarthen's a lovely place, but not at midnight when you've never been there before. And I'm kind of like, I said to him, where can I stay? He said, I don't know. I was like, what do I do? So, I actually said to him, do you mind if I stay here? Like, I'm a student, I don't have much money. He said, what, like, just on the concrete platform? And I was like, yes, please. And anyway, so <laughs> then I made my bed for the night, laying down on this concrete platform by the train. And I tell you, I hadn't prayed that day. I prayed a lot at that moment. I was like, Lord, will you help me sleep? Lord, will you protect me from muggers and anyone else? Lord, help, help, help. Lord, would you wake up Beth in the middle of the night and get her to answer her phone? Like, I was just praying. I prayed at midnight. I prayed at 1 a.m. I prayed at 2 a.m. I prayed at 3 a.m. I was still awake at 4 a.m. At 4 a.m., I kind of had a panic attack that someone might be um, about to mug me at some stage. So I thought, what I should do is I should get an, a weapon. Do if you ever do this? Like, what weapon are I use in a crisis? I looked in my bag. All I could find was a shaver. So I kind of was, like, lying on the platform with a Gillette Mac free. I mean, as if that's going to help, like, you know back away or I'll, I'll steal your stubble so it was a nightmare and eventually I woke up eventually I could have woke up with a jolt at 6am and, um, and, and Beth was phoning she said you're right. I was like yes she said I got a few missed calls she said I was like yeah 531 yeah and um, she said oh you're here and so eventually um, I got to go on the family holiday it was amazing now here's the thing when you hit a crisis so often prayer is your Last resort, when it could be your first response. How often? I'm the same. I'll send an email, I'll make a call, I'm a bit busy, I'll sort this, I'll sort that, I'll try and distract myself, I'll watch Netflix, I'll do anything else. And then eventually when all else fails, I think, oh, maybe I'll pray. Prayer prayer is so often our our last response, our last resort, when it could be our first response. And here's the thing, God knows you're going through the trouble and it's almost like he's waiting for you to respond. Eventually you're going to have to pray. But it's not too late. You might be going through a crisis you haven't 
prayed about it, you haven't asked God for his help, it's not too late. Tomorrow you might hit a roadblock. It's not too late. And God always picks up the phone. He's always ready to take your call. Now God wants you to turn your troubles into prayers. He wants you to turn your worries into prayers, turn your frustrations into prayers, turn your disappointments into prayers. There's a whole book in the Bible, the Psalms, which is all about those sorts of prayers. There's not an emotion that you feel that God can't handle. Turn your emotions into prayers. Even guilt. James says, confess your sins to each other and you will be restored. You can turn your guilt into prayer. You'll be healed. You can can just ask God to forgive you. That's one way of doing it. That works. Turn your guilt into a feeling of freedom and forgiveness by turning your guilt into prayer. But another way you can do it is actually find someone who you trust and spend time with and actually you can say to them, actually, I've messed up in this area or I'm messing up in that area. I want to pray about it. And what my experience has been that when I do that with a mate, with a trusted friend, and I, it kind of brings my sins into the light. And here's the thing. Sins thrive in, the sec- in secret. They thrive in the dark, but they wither in the light. When you confess your sins, they kind of lose a hold on you. It's almost like you're speaking them out loud, and suddenly they don't have the power of you that you had. You can turn even your guilt into prayers, and through that you can receive forgiveness and freedom. Maybe the trouble you're facing is health. And, you know, you can get people to pray for you. When I was 16 years old, I was seriously ill. I was in hospital for two weeks. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And my parents got some people from my church to come and pray for me and anoint me with oil. And I tell you what, in that moment, I wasn't thinking about the pros and cons of praying for healing. I wasn't thinking about the philosophical arguments about why God answers prayer and doesn't answer some prayer and why that, what that was all about. All I was thinking was, please pray for me, I need healing. And they prayed for me, and partly through the doctors and partly through their prayers, within a week I was healed. Now I've prayed for people since January. Some of them have been healed. Some of them haven't been healed. I wouldn't necessarily have done it the way round it has been done round. I don't know the answer to all those questions. But what I do know is my responsibility is to pray for people to be healed. Now, if, if, if you get ill at the moment and, you know, you're coughing and, you know, da, 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 um, you might not want to invite all of us to come around your house to pray. You know, you might, you might want to self-isolate for 14 days, follow the advice of 111, all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But, you know, the modern technology, we can do it by FaceTime or we can do it by WhatsApp or whatever. You know, we can still pray for you. They're powerful. Prayers are powerful. Or it might be something else entirely. I mean, James says it's not just difficult emotions you turn into prayer it might be happy emotions positive emotions it says if, if you're happy sing songs of praise it's almost like turning your joy into a form of prayer to God why is that so important well generally speaking in trouble generally speaking people eventually trouble will push you to your knees has a way of doing that but when life is great it's not the case success is much harder to steward than failure Because in success, people tend to forget God. You kind of believe the hype. You think you can do it on your own. So it's so important to turn even your joys and your celebrations into prayer. It's a little bit like God, you know, if you had a mate who only phones you when they were going through a really rough patch. You know, I want to talk about it. And then they get a great promotion 
They go out to the pub and they don't invite you along to celebrate. You're like, what is this going on? God wants to join with you in your celebrations as much as in your challenges and your struggles. Turn your joys into prayers. Whatever you're facing, you can turn your emotions into prayers. What does that look like for me? Well, at times, it's looked like me kind of standing on the tube, going into work in the morning, kind of thinking, here we go, let's pray. Well, if anyone can know I'm praying, like, can I do it with my eyes closed or eyes open? You know, will it be odd? You know, you know try not to fall over, you know. It's actually looked for me like going through the Bible in one year app on the way into work on the tube and just reading a bit of the Bible and then praying and then reading a bit of the Bible and then praying. Another time, I would get into work early before any of my colleagues and I'd sit there and I'd kind of read a bit of the Bible and then pray and read a bit of the Bible and then pray. You know, sometimes I'd walk in, I'd be like, hi, how's it going? And they'd be like, what's going on? What's he doing? Is he like being poached by another company? But, I, but, but actually, as I did those things, it started to make a difference to my day. I felt more secure in the storms of the day. I felt more compassionate for my colleagues. It changed things. And today what I do is I set my alarm really early and come downstairs, make a cup of tea. And you know, while it's still dark, I, I, I just read a bit of the Bible, ask God to speak to me through it. Then I kind of maybe pray about anything that God's, kind of nudge me about. Maybe it's something that speaks into something that I'm facing, one of the challenges I'm facing. Pray about that. Try and turn my worries into prayers. If there's any relationships I'm worried about, difficult situations at work, try and pray about those as well. Pray for guidance. Pray for people. And I find it changes my day. I find that situations I was worried about, they become simpler. I find that the way I feel about people changes. The way I feel about challenges changes. And I go into my day in an entirely different way. Whatever you face today, prayer is your greatest need. But prayer is also your greatest opportunity. Most of us go through our lives wanting to make an impact, a difference wherever God has placed us. But sometimes it can feel hard to do that given all the challenges of life. James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And he gives this example of Elijah. Like Elijah was a human being just like us. He prayed earnestly but it, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And again he prayed and the heavens gave rain. Like weather changing prayers. You might have heard that and thought, well, why does God care so much about the weather? Well, sometimes God does care about the weather. He cares about the details of your life. I'm so grateful he cared about the weather last weekend on the Alpha weekend, on the Friday night. 360 people had come down to the Alpha weekend and I was thinking it's a nightmare. We had like 50 mile an hour winds, horizontal rain. It's like, Lord help. And then on the Saturday, it was sunny. So grateful. But actually what's going on here with Elijah is Elijah is desperate for his nation to return to God. And he knows they need a wake up tool to do it. And so his desperate prayer meets with God's willing heart and you see a miracle. His, his passion powered his prayer. Your prayers are powerful and effective, not because they're perfect or because you are perfect, but because it, your prayer meets with God's passion. His provision isn't dependent on your perfect prayer, but his great love. And if you believe that God is loving, that he is sovereign, that he is wise, he is listening, and he is willing, that will encourage you to pray. In some ways, what you pray is a clue to who you believe God actually is. 
So what does it mean that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective? I don't know if like me, when I first read that, I thought, well, is that good news or not? Because I don't often feel righteous. I'm not sure I am righteous. I'm not sure that helps me. This week, I don't know if you've noticed a lot in the news. There's the Secretary of State for Health, who's the most senior kind of elected politician in the whole area of health in the country, has been on the news a lot, you know, telling us to wash our hands 20 seconds, telling us the food isn't going to wrap, telling us we don't need to buy 400 rolls of toilet paper, all those sorts of things. And um, it's reminded me a lot that actually Beth used to work for the Secretary of State for Health. She used to work opposite Downing Street um, in, in, in in the Department of Health. And she was in the two Secretary of State for Health's private office, so she'd worked very closely with them. And it was very exciting, actually. You know, after a few days, Beth was very kind of like, whatever about it, but I still found it quite exciting. Like, we'd be out in, um, in, in Covent Garden. We were out in Covent Garden one Saturday night, and her phone went, and she was like, yeah, yes, yes, no. Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, you could do that. I think that's the right call. Yeah, okay. Yeah, phone Matt about that. Thanks. Bye. And she hung up the phone. I was like, who was that? And she said, oh, just, just number 10. And I was like, Downing Street? She was like, yes. I was like, that's amazing. I was like, can we tell? Everyone, shh, shh. My wife's taking calls from Downing Street. Everyone, just be quiet. It's very important. I was so excited about it. When Beth like, gets used to it. Because actually, as you work closer with these people over the years, they just become almost like friends. And actually, when Beth uh, left her job, they bought her a little book. And some of them signed it. And um, uh, the first one said... Uh, to Beth, you know, wonderful uh, civil servants, good luck in what I'm sure will be a long and successful career. It's very kind. And the second one, dear Beth, thank you for being a superb private secretary and good friend in difficult times. Hope you have a wonderful time on the Olympic team. You become quite close to them. Now, I just want you to imagine, just imagine that I got really passionate about a local health issue in this country. So my local GP surgery was closing down. So I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I want to do something about it. So I signed the petition. I write an email. I kind of make a few calls. I kind of protest about it with my little placard. I do all these things. I'm getting so passionate about it. And then eventually Beth looks at me and says, why haven't you asked for my help? And I'm like, what? She says, why haven't you asked for my help? I work every day with the Secretary of State for Health. You could have asked for my help. And I was like, Oh, okay. And she says, well, you know, come along, come along on Friday, 3 p.m. I'll, I'll, I'll take you into their office and they might be able to give you 30 minutes of their time. Just want to stress, Beth didn't actually do this. That would be a breach of the civil service code. But, but she, say she did. And, she, you know, and, I was like, and I was like, well, thanks for offering, but Fridays are quite busy. I normally update Instagram on Fridays. Um, I've, I've got a lot on. I don't really like getting on the district lines, but busy that time of day. Thanks, but no thanks. She would look at me in one of her looks I've learned to trust and fear, and she would say, don't be stupid, come. And on Friday, I would go along, and I'd go to the office. She'd wave me past security. I'd go through the different corridors. I'd follow her. You know, we'd go up to the Secretary of State's office. She'd knock on the door. We'd go in. She'd walk in, and she'd say, Secretary of State, here's Steve, the person I told you about. Now, he would look at me, or she would look at me, and not because of any merit that I have, not because of anything I've done, not because of my hard work or who I am, but because of Beth, because of her faithful work, because of her brilliant service, because of all the blood, sweat, and tears that she has given over the time that she worked with them, they would look at me and say, how could I help? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But no one's righteous, are they, on their own? But only one. 
Jesus Christ the righteous. And because of his great love, because of his blood shed for you and for me, because of his willing sacrifice, because of his intercession, putting himself in the way for you and for me, we can approach God as righteous in his in the clothes of righteousness. Not just kind of freedom from the sin, not just the stuff that got in the way, but actually we get the benefit of Jesus' faithfulness. We get the benefit of his glory, his beauty, all that he's done, his sacrifice. And so when, you just imagine, it's almost as if God, Jesus leads us through the heavenly courts, leads us into the very throne room of his Father and says, Father, listen to them for me. Listen to them for me. And our prayers, when we say, Father, it comes with the force, the power, the grace, the beauty of the prayer of Jesus Christ because it is in him and in his name. Just think, as you pray like that, just think what is possible. You're praying in the power, in the name of Jesus Christ the righteous. And then anything is possible. Your, power is power, your prayer is powerful. It is laced with dynamic potential power, with limitless power. All of heaven stands ready to respond to the slightest prayer. You whisper that you pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Prayer is an opportunity to shift the facts on the ground. Prayer is an opportunity to draw closer to God. Prayer is an opportunity to know greater freedom to realize who you are in Jesus. Prayer is an opportunity to know that you are forgiven. Prayer reorders your desires. Prayer shapes you into the image of Jesus Christ, the very one who even now ever lives to intercede for you at the right hand of the Father and is praying for you right now. Prayer is the greatest opportunity you will have today. Take it. Prayer is the greatest opportunity you will have this week, this month, this year. Take it. Prayer is the greatest thing you could ever do with your life. Make the most of it. And it starts with coming before God, turning your struggles, your troubles, your worries, your concerns, your emotions over to him. Say, I need your help. Help me to pray. I want it to be different. I want to know you more deeply. I want to draw closer to you. And when you do that, all things are possible. In Jesus' name, amen.